What's up guys, welcome to episode 4 of At The Face. Today we're catching up with the busiest man in lacrosse, Rob Ingham-Clark. Rob started the Camden Capybaras, who have had back-to-back promotions and are about to launch their third team. I hope you enjoy the episode and remember to like and follow At The Face on social media. Alright Bobby, how we doing? Hey man, I'm doing alright, thanks very much for having me on. How are you My doing? Pleasure. Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. My pleasure. We finally made it. We're we have actually, finally made it. We're actually making an episode through, uh, what have we had, a car crash, technical issues. Um, yeah, it's been ridiculous. Yeah. Tried it on my phone, school computer, and I'm on, uh, on, my mate's, on my mate's MacBook and we're finally playing. We're here um, and it is recording, which is good. Fantastic. Second time lucky. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I hope you don't mind. Um, I think I've christened you the busiest guy in lacrosse. Um, when we were talking about doing an episode, I was, as I do with everyone, I was like, can you send me uh, a list of all the things that you do in lacrosse? And it was, it was like a double pager. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really have much of a life outside of lacrosse really. Uh, I do quite a lot. Um, I, you know, my, my main job is I'm, I'm head of lacrosse at Stowe school, but then, you know, Sundays are for representative teams and things like that. And, uh, there just aren't really enough Sundays in the year, really. <laughs> Okay. All right, nothing cool. That's true. I mean, one of my questions was going to be like, what do you do when you're not playing lacrosse? But after looking at the, the that long list, I'm not going to bother. I don't think yeah, I'll... No. <laughs> There's not a lot else. <laughs> There's not a lot else going on, is there? No. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's start with a warm-up. Where did you start playing lacrosse? So I started playing lacrosse at the mighty University of East Anglia in the autumn of 2010. Uh, like a lot of guys who start playing the sport in the South, I've got into a university, stumbling around the Freshers' Fair, uh, you know, had a little go at Corf Ball and was like, mm, I don't know about that. Um, and then I saw the guys in the lacrosse kit and I was like, right, lads, this is lacrosse. Yes. Is it awesome? Yes. Are there girls? There's three times as many as there are lads. <laughs> Sign me up. Sign me up, fellas. Um <laughs> I wonder and how many so, unis used that statistic. That oh, was going mate. around when I joined. Uh, <laughs> oh, it, it, it's time. It is, you know, the, the advertising of for time immemorial. It's for, for all universities. Um, although not Hertfordshire, bizarrely. Uh, Hertfordshire was the other way around. There were like four girls in the club when I first started coaching there. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, yeah, I, I almost didn't play lacrosse, actually. What happened was that, uh, it, you know, it got to the day of the, the trials. Or, you know, trials is rather grandiose term for chuck about and have a go sort of, you know, the give it a go session. Yeah. And I went over to the university sports park thinking, obviously, it's going to be there. And I'm asking, like, All right, well, where's the lacrosse? And they're like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. So, you know, I, I went home back to my flat feeling a bit confused. And I just double checked on on Facebook where it was going to be. And it was at the other end of campus, which is about not quite a mile away. Um, and I was like, crap, I, go, I better get down there then. Um, and I ran. I remember running down there. And this is off the back of me just being a not very sporty at school. I just played drums and I was smoking at the time, being a cretin. Um, and yeah, doing that run all the way down there. I was like, is it, you know, is, is it still time? <laughs> is, is the session still going? And I'm like, yeah, come and join in. Uh, and yeah, it, it, thankfully it went from there, but it, it almost never happened. I used to, uh, I used to love university trials, as you said. <laughs> Everyone's like, "When's the trials? When's the trials?" And we're like, "Would you please just come and play? Like, there's no yeah, trials. Yeah. Just, You're just in. turn up. You're, 
guess what you're in the first yeah. team <laughs> yeah starting uh, i really like i really like rob gooch's loughborough t- uh, tail <laughs> it's just yeah. a bo- box of cans around the back <laughs> we set the bar high um yeah. so what position what position did you play when you joined uh first year i played attack uh and scored no goals um obviously uh and then for the rest of my time at uea i was goalkeeper um to oh, wow. it- yeah, so I yeah goalie for that lot. Um, then went to Wellin and played half a season in goal, uh, and we were getting thumped by like I think the last game we played we won twenty to nineteen against Reading twos. And I thought I'm not doing this anymore, uh, and then went back to playing attack. Uh, and so if I've, I'm perfectly I've... honest. I don't know why anyone gets in a goal. <laughs> we'll we will cover it in one episode, but it's, yeah, it's yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I mean, it was it was all right at the uni game, and I had some good defenders in front of me. But that season at Welling Twos, we we had some some pretty inexperienced guys uh, in playing defense uh, and some of the sort of vets. And uh, yeah, no, it was it was not for me. And luckily, there was somebody else who who was uh, clever enough to go in goal. Clever, you. So say. yeah, atta- atta- yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then I went went and played attack and haven't really looked back. Okay, so you played UEA, then you went to Welling. Uh, at what mm-hmm. point we're going to get onto Camden um, later mm-hmm. in the episode? But at what point? How long did you play at Welling before you moved to Camden? I played 14, 15, 15, 16, 16, 17, 17, 18. Yeah, four seasons at Camden. Good for uh, you. Not Camden, at Welling. At Welling. Uh, um, playing on the twos. And I captained the twos for two of the years, I think. Um, but Welling uh, at the time was uh, really reaping what it had sown, obviously being a great juniors club back in the day. And uh, all of the very good players who they'd sort of, you know, built up from, from youth had kind of come through and so me being probably what about 26 at this point I was all you know too old and definitely not fit enough to to, to make ones and just not really good enough which is totally fine but you know that that was there were some really great players knocking around you know like Dave Groves and uh you know Ollie Abbey stuff like that who were sick I'm not going to take their spots from them but uh I remember feeling like you know I'm coming up from London I've got other mates can't really make training coming up from London and that's when we started thinking about Camden all right, cool. Sounds good. Okay, so moving on, um, who is, this is such a, a broad question, but who is your favourite lacrosse person and why? It's, uh, I've been really trying to mull this one over. So uh, unfortunately, I've just got a couple of different answers, really. Uh, like, firstly, like I've got my my wingman, Kieran Garvey, who is uh, literally with me at everything, Camden, Box. Uh, he works at, He's worked at Stowe for the last two years with me. Um Similarly, um, there's one of my other colleagues, Jane Duckett, who uh, is an ex-Scotland captain, who's one of the other lacrosse coaches here. Without her, we would be lost at sea. Um, but she is she's is absolutely fantastic. Um, and then looking abroad, it, Ryan Wallace and Brian Whitmer are the absolute guys. Ryan, they both have such a great knowledge of the game. They both do so much for the game all across Europe. Um, and they, uh, they'll always have uh, a, a nice quip up their sleeve. Okay, so where do you know those two from? Uh, Ryan, it's just the just the circuit, mate. You know, box lacrosse. Um, like Ryan um, does a lot of officiating. Uh, Brian, yeah, like runs the Clyde Siders and founded the Nofs, which I I play for Nof. Um, and uh, yeah, he sort of pulls all the strings for the English speaking lacrosse players in uh, in Czechia. All right, cool. Um. What is, oh, sorry, who's your biggest grudge in the game? I'm going to be very political here. Um, <laughs> oh, really? 
<laughs> no, no, in a good way. <laughs> All right. Um, so initially, uh, the biggest grudge would have been Essex, who was our Derby Day rival, uh, and we never beat them in four years at UEA. They were just a cut above, which is fine. Um, but we always, you know, hated playing them. Um, uh, more recently, I would say the grudge would be against teams who you know, really talked it up against Camden. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna smash Camden. Da da da. Remember, like Milton Keynes was giving it all that, like the day before our first game and we thumped them um, and Raptors as well. I think Raptors, like, you know, they're a team that uh, have got their own unique social media presence. Um, however, you know, they were founded about two months after we put our post up on similar. We said, who wants to come play lacrosse? And they were like, oh, here's 20 lads who played internationally and this is a new club. And we were like, oh, crap, you know, we're not going to get anyone now. Um, and so, yeah, when we got to play them in the autumn and, and beat them by a few goals, um, that that felt pretty good. Uh, you know, okay. silenced them. So we love a good uh, good social media battle before and after the game. I remember your first oh, game cool. and um, the the aftermath on social media of one of your slightly oh, drunken mate. players. I remember I remember sitting there thinking, I was oh. like, well done, what a game. Obviously, it was a uh, it was a good win for you guys. And then that kid posted. I won't go into him. I was just like, wow, <laughs> someone yeah. take that phone off him quick. Yeah. Yeah. One, <laughs> I think someone was like, oh, one too many IPAs. It's like, it was yeah, you. Just, it was a good just, apology. It was a very good apology. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. We were, we, we were all scratching our heads going, where the hell does this come from? Where is he? Where's he, he gone with he, that point? He, he didn't last, he didn't last much longer in the club, I'm afraid. Oh, right. Well, there we go. We live and learn. We live and learn. We live good. and learn. Yeah. A good reason for leaving your phone at home, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. Last of the warm-up questions. Um, if you could change one thing about the game, what would it be? Um, I mean, it's sort of pie in the sky, but more box floors in in the in England. That would be incredible. Um, okay. uh, and 4G pitches with lax lines. Those two things would be absolutely fantastic the season we've just had you know camden were due to to move to hornsey cricket club um and you know we've got a nice new pair of goals and we couldn't play there once after you know because it was too wet and so you know having that provision for to be able to play whenever and i understand it's similar up north you know they're they're just you know half the matches being abandoned because we can't can't get teams out so you know when we were at hertfordshire we never never had to cancel a game because we had you know floodlit 4g great it does help. We uh, we just moved yep. to um, to a four G pitch, and it's huge. Um, people who come down nice. to Canterbury aren't aren't overly into the size of the pitch, but I've got to say it's so much easier. So much yeah. easier. Oh, for sure. Even when the lines aren't on the pitch, they get the crease right. They sometimes mess up yeah, the straight, yeah, yeah. but we can make do. Um, yeah, absolutely. To, compared to a grass pitch. Well, I remember playing. I remember playing uh, playing at Maidstone for well in twos once, and there was a that was that was quite a pitch. <laughs> Uh, the shack, the changing shack. That yeah, no one yeah, yeah, the changing shack. That was yeah. really creepy, actually. Don't yeah. want to be there at night time. <laughs> but I also can't really talk because Camden's current pitch is in absolute state. But we are <laughs> doing our very, very best to move. <laughs> All right, cool. Right, before we move on to uh, the hot topics, um, we're going to do a little bit of Q&A. So we're, we're three episodes in now. Um, I'd like you to pick a topic that you've heard from the last episodes uh, and, and give us your take on one of the questions or the comments. Okay, so uh, I think the one that uh, stuck with me was from Rob Gooch. He was saying that I, you know, I need to know why lacrosse is not played at the independent schools. Um, and for me, I can answer that pretty easily, is because it requires too much equipment. If you look at all of the 
other sports that you get played at school. It's like, here you go. Here's a rugby ball, lads. Off you go. Mouth guards in. We're good. Cricket, I mean, it's fairly entrenched, but in terms of like getting it going, it's not that difficult. You can do it with, you know, two or maybe three sets of, of batting uh, pads and, th- and th- things like that. Um, and it's not that sort of expensive to do. And the same with netball, it's a pair of hoops and a court, done. Uh, having loads of pieces of personal protective equipment is not of an inherently British thing with, with that kind of sport. And all the, the independent schools, if they really, really wanted to do it, they could. You're never going to turn over uh, sort of the, the entrenched key sports. Um, there are bits of lacrosse taking place in schools. It is not to say that there isn't, it, I mean, it's not widespread for sure, but it is taking place. So Radley College, they do it as an upper six and we take our girls over there to play every year and they have an A and a B team. Um, you know, they're playing girls rules. Uh, boys hit Stowe. We do, we, this year we did third form as an inter-house, fourth and fifth form as an inter-house and sixth form as an inter-house uh, and had uh, six aside and had teams from every every one of the um, how many nine boys houses um, participate with that. So everyone's getting a bit of a taste for it. Um, I know they were getting it going at Uppingham. Uh, Reading schools had it for a number of years. But if, if it's going to happen, um, it's not going to be men's lacrosse um, because, you know, we're not going to sit, you know, 10 helmets, you know, 10 sets of that sort of thing. Um, charities are not going to give money to private schools uh, and it's obviously certainly not a uh, uh you know it, it's something that school sports departments are really keen to get going i think that's um that's literally what you just described is actually what trevor had to do over at reading to get lacrosse into um, the school that they've got good links with i think i could be wrong um, but i vaguely remember the club having to buy 10 sets of all the equipment and just giving it to the school and be like that's yeah. it like that's how yeah yeah so yeah, I yeah. agree with you. It's not easy. Um, the other issue yeah. is if you do get into it, if someone wants to try it, um, they're going to be trying a, a dulled down version of it. Um, and that's possibly not necessarily what the kids want. If they go and, you know, if they're YouTube in it or they are seeing what men's yeah. would like, um, they were then wondering, well, hang on, why am I playing this non-contact version? Um, but good mm. take on it. That's a really good answer. I didn't even think of equipment when he brought it up. Yeah. I thought, I thought they just liked hockey and rugby. Um, but yeah, that's... Well, I mean, they, they will. Point. I mean, the, the other thing is, is that... In terms of where lacrosse is played, um, predominantly it is single sex schools. Um, you know, you do have a couple where it's it's mixed and it's very high performance. So like George's Harpenden, uh, Burko, although that's diamond shaped. But most of the very good lacrosse playing schools are single sex. Um, and if you're at a mixed school, um, I, I don't want to be presumptuous, but it's usually a boys school that has then added girls into it. And I would be surprised to find that there would be in those mixed schools, many lacrosse playing directors of sport, by which I mean, probably female directors of sport, you know? Okay. So, you know, you said about the tournament that you've done um, at Stowe with the boys, how yeah. seriously did they take that? Was it like a, you know, turn up, we're going to try something or were they actually getting into it? They, or? They, oh, they, they were very much into it. You know, inter-house, they're always into inter-house events. You know, there's silverware on the line. Uh, you know, we had some trophies made up. Uh, usually winning a house event, uh, the team will get pizza from their, their house master as well. So there's there's that incentive too. But uh, the first year we ran it, we just did it as third form. Uh, and, it, and my house that I'm attached to won it. And they then got to play against the under 14 girls, 18, uh, you know, and they got thumped 8-2, uh, <laughs> which for me is the perfect score because they got a piece of the action. It wasn't a complete whitewash. But the girls very clearly proved that they're not just, you know, sort of 
messing around on a field. They're serious athletes. And I think the boys got a bit more respect for it, um, for the game and for the, the amazing like athleticism that the girls can exhibit. Oh, okay. They realise it's actually quite difficult to pass and catch with a stick. It's not something that you, yeah, yeah. you can just pick up and do. Yeah, exactly. All right. So we're going to get into our first topic. Um, you are the England Uni's men's head coach and general manager. Uh-huh. How how did that come about? Like, I know you started coaching with me uh, in the Southeast way back when. How did you end up taking over that program? So, I mean, uh, if there's any younger coach, I mean, I'm not exactly old, I'm 29, but if there are any younger coaches there, I would say uh, a, a very easy mantra is don't ask, don't get. Um <laughs> So yeah, with the the southeast, I said, "Oh, can I can I come watch or something?" Like, no, mate, come on, you're going to do some coaching. I was like, "Oh, thanks." And it was, it was my birthday the night before, and I remember like, oh, that, you know, only one or two beers, and I, you know, rolling up, and Joe Nicholson's like <laughs> in a state. <laughs> when is Joe Nicholson not in a state? Well, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so we did that um i then remember speaking to you um you said you couldn't make the the regional tournament so i spoke to england lacrosse and said listen have you got anyone to coach these you know i've already seen them and they were like yeah fine come along uh coach southeast um you know southeast won the tournament and then i'm sat with craggy um pete wilson um and possibly rich guard size um but yeah, yeah you know they're saying uh craggy's saying oh pete you know what are you doing nick here weekend is oh, i'm out playing box uh, uh and he's like rob what are you doing nick here weekend and i was like oh, <laughs> i don't know nothing i'll clear my schedule <laughs> um i have to really think about it and i remember sort of you know pretty much skipping to the car you know absolutely thrilled um that i got the I was job gonna... <laughs> yeah exactly um it was it was, it was awesome um and then so yeah that year it was very much done with england lacrosse um the year after what did i do so the year after i organized it all uh but borrowed the kit and then the last two years we've just been organized i've just done it completely by myself english unis kind of falls into a weird category with england's sort of performance pathway because if you're not already on the radar by that kind of age, like you'll probably have come up through under 19s or you'll play for nights and you, you know, might occasionally get like a, a, a rough diamond. Um, so like Tom Roper, for example. Um, but now that there's an England under 23s, it doesn't, it kind of just falls between the gaps of, you know, what the priorities are. Um, and I know from my experience, and you'll know this as well, that English universities is not just uh you know a pathway it's very much an end in itself for a lot of university players um, you know it's the, it's something they'll need to get you know colors at university um you know I, I you know one player like charlie merry for example he's studying medicine at imperial and i remember turning him down from the english uni squad twice before him then coming back for a third time and he he, he literally said he said to me you know, I'm making it my mission to get on the English uni squad and he made it. Um, you know, he, he dropped a bit of weight. He got a bit faster on his feet. Um, and it's so gratifying to see that hard work pay off. So it's funny how some of the unis break it down, but for the England unis um, team, even the regional team in some respects, um, that's enough for scholarship for some of these kids. Yeah, which, oh, for sure. If nothing else is, you know, free gym membership and access to yeah, strength yeah. and conditioning and stuff like that. Um, and that's that's the kicker. I know what you mean by being on the England lacrosse radar. Um but there's there's plenty of people out there that are absolute units, you know, six five, 
really big bulky guys but can run as well and so on and so forth and they're playing other sports um so yeah. I, I do know what you're saying with regards to it but it's certainly an option for a lot of people who don't know anything about the sport um and i think we've we've seen that with some of the players that have come through it so yeah. how i mean how's it come on in the time that you've been in this position what's changed like what have you noticed with the players what have you noticed with the whole setup so with regards to what some of the players who were part of it before me had said, you know, like sometimes they'd have, you know, an England player just kind of running it at Nick Keogh in between sort of their matches. Um, but I, for me, it felt very important to make sure that it had that performance feel to it. They had me as a coach there the whole time, not sort of swimming off to go and play another match like in between. Um, in terms of, you know, when it all takes place, we try to get our trials in the autumn uh, like our regional trials. We then have our regional tournament, the Uni Bowl in the spring, and then we have Nick Keogh. Um, and so it's it's a pretty low like time commitment. Um, and this year we were all, but this year we we're also supposed to play in the home internationals, um, which would have, you know, add a little bit of value added for the players. Absolutely. Uh, um, you know, that would have been playing against Wales U19 and England U19. So, you know, a really high level of competition there. Um but, you know, going up to Nick Keogh tournament at Wilmslow in May weekend, we've, you know, we, it would have just happened if we weren't locked down. Um, it's a great experience. You know, you get to play against Northwest, Yorkshire, like international teams. Taking down international sides is always like, you know, a real point of pride. I remember last, last, no, not last year, the year before, which was the best performance we'd ever had. We came fourth at Nick Keogh out of 12. And we beat Air and we beat Yorkshire in like OT, uh, Archie Mitchison with a completely like cross the body, like shit angle. <laughs> and, you know, we were all at the side going, no, no, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> storming the field with chants of you, Nate, you, Nate, you, Nate. And uh, yeah, really, really pissing off Yorkshire. Uh, yeah. So we got up into the top bracket with that. And so we were, we were absolutely thrilled. Okay, cool. Um there's one thing that stuck out for me about the the England Unis setup, and it is how keen the kids are. And I don't mean that in a bad way. They're not just a bunch of kids. No, no, no. You, I remember you coming along and saying to me, Cole, can I come and um, join in in the, the Southeast like, trials? Can I observe? And I was like, Rob, you can come and coach. And you were like, no, yeah. I'm not sure, you know, bit of experience. And I remember saying to you, like, you have no idea how keen these kids are to just get better at lacrosse. That's all they want to do. Yeah. They just want to improve. And yet I remember you saying to me at the end of the sessions, like, oh my God, you could have, you could have literally told them anything and they'd have gone yeah, and done it. Yeah, they'd have eaten it up. <laughs> Absolutely. Is, is that still the case? Is that, are they still Absolutely. trying? They still thrive Absolutely. on it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, most of these guys may have had to compete against some guys in their universities to get spots, but this is a, it's a competitive program to get onto English universities. You've got to be good, you know? Um, you know, I kind of see that going like, would I get in? Probably not, you know? <laughs> uh it's i always find it quite funny when i'm sort of introducing like the other coaches i've got some incredible coaches helping out who played english unis like you know uh like john horbury who was like two two or three time english universities um like toby cleaver ross like yeah alex harper all these like serious international athletes and me who's never played a representative team in his life <laughs> um so yeah, it's um, they're very, very keen. Um, and I just wanted to pick up briefly on the thing you said about, you know, they're eating it all up. They do eat it all up. Um, and I remember I was listening, I think I was listening to a podcast um, where it was a guy who was a men's lacrosse player and men's lacrosse coach and then had switched to women's lacrosse. Um, and he said, I wish I'd started coaching women's lacrosse sooner because with the guys, 
you can go, you know, rah, rah, and rile them up, and they'll go, yeah, brilliant, fantastic. And the girls, unless you have a very clear reason why we're doing something, they go, well, why are we doing it? They're much, much quicker to question the point of a drill, a practice, anything like that. And he said, I wish I'd started coaching women's lacrosse sooner. And I definitely feel that, you know, first couple of years at Hertfordshire, it was like, right, cool, let's do some American football, you know, pattern runs and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, the girl, the girls here, if they, you know, they're like, what's, what's this about? It's like, oh, it's this. And they go, oh, okay, cool. But it, you know, you must be certain of your why for each element. Absolutely. So much more than with men's lacrosse. Absolutely. So you're, you obviously coach men's um, and women's now started with men's I'm assuming. Uh, yeah. Yeah. University of Hertfordshire was my, it was my first gig. I was the assistant coach uh, the first year after university and head coach my second year after university. Okay, so do you see much difference? I coach men's and women's as well, predominantly men's. I've started doing women's more recently. Um, and there are differences, but do you, as a coach, do you find it um, more intimidating coaching women's just because it's not your primary uh, primary sport? Mm, not really. Um, I think that, you know, I think just be yourself is is the key. Uh, you know, be relaxed. You know, you're, I'm a... As my uh, my director of sports said, I'm a professional expert. Uh, so to to be uh, confident in what you have to say and uh, what you have to add um, is important. Uh, you know, the, the, probably the highest level of coaching I've I've done is Southwest Senior Women's, and there's you know England and Wales starters there. Um, and you know, I don't think many of them thought I was full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Um, the the biggest difference I've found with it is like like you say you rah rah for the boys absolutely yeah. the girls the girls will ask questions but the one thing that I find um, that is a bit negative particularly within the women's game is if you ask them to do something that they they haven't done before or no other coach has asked them to do before shoot from a different angle try a, a you know a reverse low to high or something just to add to their their arsenal um, of options mm. they don't get it they're not so keen on like trying that new. Uh, skill or that new tactic mm. as such and i've actually really enjoyed this the, the girls that i coach i think i'm pretty sure they enjoy the sessions but once yep. we go through that process of them getting over that it is something that's new and they may never use it but you never know yeah, yeah, yeah. um they actually enjoy it yeah for sure well so there's a there's a, there's a it's a technique that i uh, i can't remember who i heard it off but it was you know you have two uh zones in your training you have uh the experimentation zone and you have the performance zone and in the experimentation zone, you've just got to make sure, obviously, as a program, that everyone feels safe and comfortable and they're not going to get taking the mickey out of, uh, you know, missing the ball or something like that. Um, and we go, right, this is this is when I want you to try your left hand. This is when I want you to try all this, that, and the other. And then we can go, right, this rep, it's performance zone. You've got to, you know, take the high percentage shots. Don't take the low percentage ones. It's that, you know, it's we're tied up. It's sudden death. Um, and. And I've I've found some some success with that to to help some of the the players, um, as you say, uh, the, the female players who might not be quite so keen to come out of their comfort zone. I mean, a simple one there would be using your left hand. They often I find they yeah. often they go above and beyond to use their right hand, but actually going left, splitting and shooting would be much easier. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah for sure. Okay, all right. So um, looking forward with the England uni setup is anything going to change is there anything new coming in um we've got uh well this year we were supposed to play home ints which is a it's a real loss that we didn't get to play that thanks corona um <laughs> we had we had a really nice squad this year um and it's a, it's a shame that they didn't get to play uh didn't get to compete 
Um, but, you know, as soon as we're allowed to, uh, we'll try and get something in, you know, take them to play like South England or something like that. Um, going forwards, the, the, the rate limiting step we have at the moment is that it's very difficult to get some northern trials on the go. Now, obviously, up north, you've got Yorkshire and Northwest. Um, and so they usually will skim the very best players up there, which is completely fine. Um, but we need to work a bit harder in getting northern trials under our belts. Um, and we nearly had them this year, uh, but it didn't quite come off you know, for one reason or another. Uh, but it is certainly something that uh, next year I'm hoping will be a little bit easier. Cool. Okay. All right. Moving on. Um, in the, the ridiculously long lacrosse resume that you sent me, I noticed in the middle there is Luxembourg men's senior national team assistant coach. Rob, how yep. did that come about? T- tell us about that. How does that come about? Uh, it's it's all down to uh, uh, the the wonderful man that is Henning Schmidt. Uh, any of you who've been around the lacrosse community long enough will remember he, he founded Summer League. He did some great work at Hillcroft. He played at Wellin. He you know did did all sorts. Uh, but he he went over to Luxembourg. There wasn't any lacrosse there. He decided he'd try and play ultimate frisbee uh, instead. He's about six foot five, and I, I don't want to guess how many stone he is, but it's a lot. Uh, and he, he turned into somebody and accidentally clocked them in the face with his elbow. And everyone was like, oh, my God, you can't do that. And he's like, I, I literally just turned. I've not elbowed him. <laughs> and they were like, no, everyone down tools. We've got to stop. And he's like, nah, sod this. <laughs> I, need, <laughs> I, I need to hit people again. Um, Frisbee's so, not, yeah, uh, not for Henning, though. I just don't think it is. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, he managed to find uh, Pitt Bingen, who's the... Uh, chair of the or president of the luxembourg lacrosse federation uh and they managed to go from there really um i did i've been invited over to do a, a development camp in south germany by henning um he'd kind of put me through to some coaches down at heidelberg um and i was expecting to do it with three other coaches uh and then on the flight over he was like oh yeah by the way it's just you please pull out two days of of lacrosse instruction to 30 germans so you're on the you're on the flight you can't turn around even if you wanted to yeah, yeah 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 exactly i was like good timing yeah, everyone every, everyone's pulled out i was like oh great <laughs> this will be fun um and then uh yeah on the way back i would you know as i'd mentioned i wanted to try and get to the world cup world championships and he was like well you know how about as a coach it's like well who it's like oh well we're, we're putting a team together in luxembourg it's like do you have any players and it turns out they did have some players <laughs> not <laughs> and, a huge number not a huge a number in, uh, it was it was a it was a real gamble to be honest um but it was an unforgettable experience overall. Um, you know, I, I I hopped over a couple of times uh, for like weekend camps. Yep. Uh, there were three other coaches who were from Canada who I learned an unbelievable amount from. Uh, and they were great guys. I still, you know, got a group group chat with them today. And we, you know, talk, talk, shots, talk lacrosse and share memes and stupid stuff like that. Um <laughs> So what's and, the, uh, yeah. what's it like out there? Like, they're, why are they keen on lacrosse? You said the numbers aren't good, but tell us what they're like. Oh, they are. They are. They're pretty keen these days. Um, you know, they have been so good uh, continuing. I mean, we would have had a European Championship this summer, and so you know, they're doing like team lifts. Uh, you know, they they're doing you know warble challenges. They're they're very very keen for it. Um, you know, it's the 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 real benefit is that we have a lot of pitch time in Luxembourg because we are uh, 
what is it uh, officially recognized by the you know Luxembourg uh, you know Ministry of Sport uh, we can use we get pitch space for free oh wow which is yeah which is amazing and so anyone who, know, who runs a club in the UK knows the number one cost is pitch time absolutely know? absolutely so you know they 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 have a lot of purchasing power um with like club funds and stuff like that and also the local club is the national team you know there's a lot of crossover particularly in that yep. first year uh you know luxembourg uh club the blacksmiths were you know playing in the belgian league um and uh yeah so that you know there was some good chemistry between the players because they were literally playing like three times a week together um but that said there were also a number of players who hadn't had a birthday since they picked up a stick and going to israel <laughs> oh wow really that fresh. yeah there was there were some very fresh players and there were a couple of you know very experienced players as well we had uh you know a couple of uh north americans who had you know links to luxembourg um you know we had at the world championship i our, our face-off guy had the number one face-off percentage in you know in the whole tournament um uh we had yeah yeah we had uh, a great goalkeeper called nick Beatty who uh who plays at cal uh and he's on unreal made some you know he was making two or three save of a season per game um but uh you know it's it's about the depth really isn't it most national teams can put out 12 pretty decent players but yep. it's about number players 13 to 23 that really make the difference absolutely absolutely <laughs> once those legs get tired it's uh it's nice to have someone to swap with as we know well when it's 35 degrees in israel in the middle <laughs> of the summer it really is <laughs> okay so um the reason i like that topic is you i mean there's a there's a reoccurring theme here rob that you you feel like you're out your depth in a coaching situation and you end up absolutely pulling it off and then moving on to the next stage and the next stage and the next stage. Um, what would you say to any other aspiring coaches that, you know, you, you said you weren't, you didn't feel like you were quite ready for the England unions job. You, Henning said that you were the only coach that he had for this particular role. Um, I think it's great. I think that you've just stepped up and gone and yeah. done with it. What would well, you say to anyone else that, that could well, possibly I, take that jump? As I said, don't ask, don't get, you know, you know, the the lacrosse world is not that big. Um, the lacrosse coaching world is even smaller. Uh, and if it's something you're passionate about and you know what you're talking about, at least vaguely, um, you know, you've just got to be enthusiastic for it, really, uh, because that's that's the thing that sort of really pulls it off. My first year coaching in university is like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> you have no idea what I told the guys, but... Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we did okay. We lost in OT against South England um, for um sixth place i think um so i mean i you know ot against south england i'm pretty comfortable pretty happy with that um Absolutely. but uh you know taking that experience building from it and it's it's that sort of matthew side black box thinking it's uh you know you've got to treat your losses uh what is it treat your victories like you treat your losses um you know it's all fine and dandy great we went and beat someone by 10 but did we institute the slide package we were talking about no did we you know any of those sorts of things so it's always you always got to be reflective and analytical of what you're doing okay cool um i remember when 2011 i, I saw a job posted up that someone sent me on facebook and it was for a lacrosse coach in peru and i was i kind of had the same outlook that you did i was like, oh you know oh, i don't really coach that much lacrosse i'm a level two but kind of winging it um best experience of my life and I went out and yeah. coached kids that didn't, I was, I was kind of doubting my ability to coach lacrosse at that point. I was 
coaching kids who'd never even picked up a stick. It was just nice for them yeah, to yeah. be out, you know, in the sunshine yeah, yeah, having yeah. some fun. Um, so there's so there are loads of roles that obviously not at the minute, but that pop up. Um, and people really should go. If you've got any experience as a coach, you should be out there taking that opportunity yeah, with two hands 100%. and enjoying it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, there's for, for people at university that like schools are always hiring uh, assistants, uh, like graduate assistant lacrosse coaches, including my own school. Um, so, you know, keep checking, keep checking the uh, England lacrosse website because the job postings up there go and the jobs don't get that many applicants. Um, and so if you're if you're keen um, and you want to you want to go and do lacrosse, you're thinking about you know, maybe I can make this into a career, go and go and be a grad coach. It's a great way to live. You get to spend an enormous amount of time shooting on a goal um and you get to grow the game so go for it okay rob the reason we are here london camden capybaras how how did that come around the mighty mighty camden capybaras uh so it was uh spring 2018 where we really thought let's give this a go Myself uh, and my good friend Lewis Friedlander were not playing in well in ones and we were playing in well in twos, which was fine, but we wanted to take it up a level. And the other thing is, is that we were traveling up from London to play at Wellin, which is in Hatfield, which wasn't super far for me. Uh, and I was also already doing that travel because I was coaching at Hertfordshire. But for, for Lewis, who was living in Belsize Park, it was, it was pretty unattainable to work in the city and then get up for a seven o'clock practice in Hatfield. And everyone had been sort of rumbling, or oh, why is there not a North London club? Why is there not a North London club? Um, we thought, well, let's be the North London club. Let's, let's give that a go. Um, and if we, if we try and it doesn't work, then, then we had a go, didn't we? Um, but uh, why we not just do it one of the under... Know, why not just join one of the other London sides? Well, they're not in North London. That's it's the same problem. You know, you can't get to training, and you you, you know it's it's all fine. And da- there are some teams where you can just turn up and play on a Saturday, and they'll be grateful for it. But I'd always loved training as well. You know, the camaraderie, like you get to you know pal around with your mates, and you get you practice your skills and get better. Um, and so we, you know, put a cutesy face, uh, cutesy post up on Facebook and said we are the Camden Capybaras, do you want to come and play with us? Um, and our first outing was at the Hertfordshire 8 tournament, which I don't think I don't think we won a game. Uh, maybe we won one, I'm not sure. And we played in some absolute guff stash. We'd gone down to Sports Direct and bought matching Pierre Cardin, like, t- like it's like a uh, teal top uh, and like sort of like tracky cargo shorts and Lewis had painstakingly like made a stencil and sprayed Camden Capabaras and put numbers on all of them as well. That's effort. Uh, that is good. It is a, he was absolutely livid halfway through. He's like, I can't believe you've made me do this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, where, where'd you get the, where'd you get the guys from? You are two seasons in, you've been mm-hmm. promoted twice, which we can touch on in a minute. Uh, you're just about to put in a third team. Where are you yep. getting these people from? They weren't there before. They are there now. So the thing is, is that uh, I feel really happy that we didn't really nick anyone from other clubs. There are people coming back to there are people coming back to London uh, after university, and we we cannot really offer at this at this stage a lot for brand new players. But for the post uni crowd, we've got something like seventy, like you know. 70 plus lacrosse playing universities and people 
are coming back to North London. It's a highly populated area. But some people are not super duper keynotes like you and me who will travel. You know, I've, I've gone on a day trip to Ashton from London to play a lacrosse game. Um, and that was great. But not everyone's <laughs> going to do that. And so being able to provide a, you know, our, our, our absolute wheels fall off if it doesn't happen. Sticking point was we have to have training in in zone two North London so people can get to it very easily after work. Um, and so, yeah, it's people coming back to the game, really. You know, they're going like, oh, well, you know, I played a season at Spencer, but it was really long to get to because I live in Finchley or something like that. And so it's we are providing a lacrosse club. Uh, it is location, location, location. You know, take everything else away from it. Um, and so, yeah, no, no, we were very happy to be able to put in uh, two Camden, two Capybaras last year. Um, and this coming year, fingers crossed, we will get Camden Capybaras Tokyo Drift. Uh, up and up and going <laughs> Tokyo Drift love it okay um, I mean there, there are a number of Fast and Furious films that have different names and I, I think if we keep expanding I think it's uh I think it's a pattern that uh, will continue <laughs> absolutely why not um <laughs> like I said you've been promoted twice uh in two yep. seasons um I've we've played you guys you tore us up it was it was it was a great game, um, but you were absolutely streaks ahead of us and you've just got promoted again. Is this a pace that you can continue? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, this season, we, by some, not a fluke, but by one reason or another, um, we got put into London 2 for the local league and or we were asked if we wanted to be in that one. And I said, yes, let's go for it, thinking Hillcroft Day, Raptors and Reading, we might get thumped, but we beat all of them um we've we lost to we lost a game to reading at home we lost a game to hillcroft at home but you know we went out to play hillcroft day lovely day in october or something like that um and we were like right guys you know big team here um and and won and we were absolutely amazed um it's the same with raptors and then we beat reading who are the top who are just below her number two in uh the regional league that we're going into we beat them 5-3 um at the end of the season um it's quite a slow scrappy game but you know we got there in the end and so feeling that you know we've we've taken taken them down um why not let's do it again next year okay your club has a certain take on social media and clubs are really getting wise with social media like raptors for example they've got quite a serious um, look about them on social media. Some clubs don't even bother with it. Some clubs dabble. Yep. Um, you guys have a a certain look. We we quite like it um, at Canterbury. We've often said okay. that you've got some some good social media presence. How important do you feel that that is in in today's game to be attracting new players through through social media and keeping it fresh and and yeah. entertaining? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we're a, we're a really young team. Like on the ones, I'm 29. I'm the, easily the oldest player there. Um, and so, you know, most of the uh, most of the everyone's got Instagram, man. Like you know, it's 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 how to get people. But everyone likes kind of resharing it. Oh, we won this, and you know, feeling it's feeling it's about feeling part of something larger than yourself. Um, and you know, if you get a get a chuckle out of it as well, all the better. I mean, it's, we're not quite as bad as Blues. Blues's Instagram's absolutely hilarious, but <laughs> you know, they're they're absolutely sniping their own players. <laughs> um, but you know, Capybara is like you know a lot of people are like what the hell's a capybara it's like well it's the world's largest rodent obviously 
Um, and, you know, we, I think we were the meanest and cutest lacrosse team in London for a while on our, our Instagram <laughs> header. Um, and also, we, we also said, Lewis and I, um, going into it, uh, said we wanted it to kind of have that uni club feel. You know, you know, if you don't beat him on the field, beat him in the bar afterwards, you know, pints after training, all that sort of thing. Because we, we couldn't do it at Welling very easily because it was, you know, middle of nowhere. Um uh, towards the end they started getting some pints in but it, you know we we we, we like the social element of it as well because we're not just you know lacrosse clubs not just providing your sport on a saturday it's a circle of friends it's your socials it's all those sorts of things um and so if if you're gonna if you're gonna do something do it properly so we have literally been waiting for a new lacrosse team um or club to pop up in london for quite some time um i'm i don't live or play in the city and i've kind of i'm looking at the leagues and thinking yeah and that needs to happen um two you guys and raptors have popped up um at, at the same time near enough do you feel like london now has enough lacrosse going on that it can start developing itself separate to the rest of the south do you feel like there needs to be something pushing more in london now that there are new clubs um, I don't think, I mean, the, the, the first couple of years with Camden, yeah, we've, we've been very lucky having all of our matches pretty much in and around London, but you know, I don't think there's anyone that is going to be super far away for us. Um, London obviously is, is massive, uh, but I don't think it needs to be separate to the rest of the South. Um, you know, I think it's important to include the rest of the South. We don't want London to just like sort of pull away. We, it would be great if we were able to kind of bring everyone up with us. Why? Why do we not want London to just pull away? Um, I don't... The I reason I ask is if you take Manchester and look at the model that they've got there, um, is it, it works. Obviously, they've got lots of teams playing in and around Manchester. Juniors can then develop. It, are we now at a point with London where that's something we could actually replicate? Not at the detriment to clubs outside of London, but just... Okay, the- I mean, if yeah, if it's not to the detriment, I mean, pr- from a junior development perspective, yes, like that's something that we would be looking to do in London because the, the main reason goes, oh, well, why don't we have juniors down here? Two reasons, the clubs are too far apart and there's no volunteers. That's it. Um, you know, me running the Welling Juniors, um, you know, having came to your fantastic shoe mash tournament and the kids loved it. They had a great time, but it was an hour away and it was under 12. You know, parents are like, oh, well, we can just take them to football and there's 10 teams within spitting distance. Absolutely. That's the issue. Uh, and so, you know, you've got a couple of clubs pretty close to each other in South Manchester with like Stockport and Cheadle and, you know, all that. But you've still got a couple that are a bit away away, like Ashton's a bit further out, you know, Wilmslow's a bit further out. Uh, so it's not like, and I also, I know that they're struggling as well. It's not this sort of magical, oh, everything's brilliant in the north. You know, they've got all the problems sorted. You know, I know Mella have got an extremely successful uh program you know they got like 150 kids or something like that but you know that's that's a, a weird sort of one-off you know if you don't play lacrosse in the village of Mello, you are a weirdo um but <laughs> that's that's not everything you know that's not easily replicatable and they have loads of very committed volunteers to make that happen um and the other problem is of course is pitch space is that how you know there's millions of hockey clubs and football clubs and da 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 and you know, trying to get pitch space on a Saturday morning to do, uh, you know, to do that is is very expensive, and you're going to be competing with a lot of other sports. Uh, that's not to say we shouldn't try. Uh, absolutely not. You know, and I know Peter Compton does a fantastic job down at Spencer, um, but you know, I, I, it's 
you've got to get you've got to get people into the schools as well because otherwise they're going to go well what's lacrosse why am i going to bother doing this um so yeah yeah well anyway, it was great because i was doing the schools i was you know just a community lacrosse um coach uh, and we had 20 kids doing it at under 12 and they're having a great time but there's just no one to play and you know that's that's it if you've got that coordination where you've got at least, you know one person doing each club they're in like seven different schools you can get a team together without too much difficulty but you then need to be close enough to play against somebody else okay. with any degree of regularity so what do you think needs to change um within the city to help lacrosse develop <sighs> what needs to change i think i think i'd like to see more people volunteering their time okay i think that would be that would be a key element but it's also it's not it's not always very easy to do so. If we're talking under twelve, like you're going to have to start training at like six because they're little. They've got to get to bed, um, and so you know it's it it, it it will be difficult to make it happen uh, if you're training on a weeknight. If it's if it's Saturday morning, that that's a little bit easier. But then again, you've got to be close to the ground and you know try not to drink too much the night before. You know, <laughs> um, but I think as as clubs grow. You know, obviously, you've got more people who would be willing to, you know, take part. We're starting to identify a couple of people at Camden who might be able to to do something. Um, and we've got, you know, the bog that is Mill Hill Park that's not particularly expensive. Uh, and also, there's a there's New Stars, which is a girls' club, which started as a junior club, and now they're playing seniors, and they are sort of our niece club, we like to say, because they're little ones. Okay. Um, and they've they've done the same as us. They've gone back to back promotion. Um, you know they're really really good and they're drawing from a lot of schools in that area so Habs North London Collegiate um St Albans High School and they're gonna have brothers um so you know we might be talking to them about some sort of you know can we do something together to, to kind of help get the game going um so we shall see there's there's something consistent about London that you don't seem to get um anywhere else people always talk about teams and clubs having a hype you know um it's reading you know they've got three teams really good development program they're going to have peaks and troughs that doesn't seem to happen as much i'm not saying it doesn't happen but it doesn't seem to happen as much in london um i think clubs pop up and they stay they stick around like look yeah. at you guys two years three teams it's crazy um and you yeah. say it's just because of the location um, yeah yeah you know i mean we, we we try to make sure that training is fun like we it's a you know it's a, it's a great atmosphere with the guys um and uh we've got some we've got some guys who really know what they're talking about like one of our first team you know we've got some real experience on our, our first team um we've got guys who grew up playing the game you've got guys from uh you know austin holgate is our is one of our first team captains and he played d2 like four years as a starter as lsm so he, he knows what he's talking about um you know we've got jamie caldwell in goal he's been you know he played for bristol for a number of years and bristol uni and english universities and also we do you know attract a good number of english universities players there's so many graduates like i remember when i worked for english lacrosse they'd be like find a club tell them to go pick a uni and um like yeah. fraternize with that uni or whatever the yeah the, the bulk of graduates i'd say move to london um, yeah of course they do they get it you know that's where the that's jobs why spent spence yeah exactly that's why, and that's why spencer and hillcroft are so successful because they're on you know they're on the doorstep of gradsville south london absolutely but the other side of that and the bit that we haven't quite got to i mean london's thriving really well um, with graduates and lacrosse players, the standards going up, the amount of players going up. At the other side of that, I'd feel comfortable in saying that people don't necessarily stick around in London forever. You know, they yeah. they they then move back out and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, 
so part of me is wondering like is it is it a good time to just take london and run with it do what we can with london not like i said not to the detriment of the rest of the south but actually push development in london in a different way don't compare development in london to that of bath or canterbury or so on and so forth so what sort of thing would you be suggesting here i don't really know uh more volunteers like you said more juniors juniors is massive um i'm wondering if it's it's time that the clubs came together and kind of said like what can we do to push this further what can what needs to happen to, to make sure that we grow lacrosse in london and then all of a sudden clubs the links from clubs expand blues mm. isn't as far the team that that would eventually pop up between canterbury and london it's not that far i just feel like we're struggling yeah. massively with developing a canterbury a well in uh you know bath plymouth and so on and so forth does it not make more logical sense to really push what's going on in London with the graduates, um, with you guys popping up, with Raptors popping up, yeah. and trying to make yeah, it more I, professional? I, yeah, no, I, I think I think you've got a, a good point there. Uh, the, the only thing I would say is that you're you're right with people moving into London and then moving back out again. One of our not problems, but something that we would like to do is we'd like to have more old guys in Camden. Uh, we've currently got Case, who's our club treasurer, and he's late forties, I think. Um, and he's the only old, like old, old dude in the club. Um, and and that's the sort of thing that, you know, it's going to be those slightly older guys who might be able to volunteer. Maybe they've got a kid who's going to be involved that they can sort of, you know, coach and parent. Um, and similarly, it's those old guys who have cut the experience, but have not quite got the athleticism anymore that are going to really flesh out a second and third team. You know, it's the dads and lads, that sort of thing. Okay. And, and case and case wants some friends he, he told me to, to ask, <laughs> you know, get some more old guys in so they can discuss mortgages and stuff like that so natural progression for you guys is what you feel like that's where it's going to head that's where you'll get the juniors from um yeah yeah i think so as the club needs new things yeah yeah i think so we've got good links with universities like imperial uh are, we're quite pally with um UCL is not so much because they've obviously got London unis, uh, but Middlesex we're tight with. Um, obviously, I went to UEA, so I've got the links there. And also the English universities set up. We've got quite yeah. a lot of English universities players there. Um, and, you know, there's always going to be grads coming to London. Um, Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Okay, finishing up. Um, just quickly, you last year, 2019, you won the Centurion Stan Smith award. Um, so I'm clearly yeah. not the only person who thinks you're one of the busiest guys in lacrosse. Um, for those who, who don't know, can you just say a little bit about this, um, and what it is? Um, so yeah, I mean, I'll be t- <laughs> tooting my own horn here really a bit. Uh, the Stan Centurions, uh, for those who don't know, is it's like the old boys booster club. It's, uh, it's a great organization that provides grants of equipment to uh you know developing clubs um like wellin has you know been a beneficiary camden has been a beneficiary which is really great to see um i went to one of their meetings and spoke to uh uh ron balls ron balls gave a talk about olympic lacrosse and i was other than ben jessup was the youngest man in the room by about 30 years um (laughs) But they're a really great organisation. Uh, I think Rob Collins runs it. And uh, yeah, so every year or every two years, they do the Stan Smith Award. And it's to, it goes to the person who has done, in their eyes, the, the most to develop lacrosse in the south of England. And uh, that was me that year. Awesome. Okay. South of England, Europe. 
uh, England unis, Wales under 19s, 20s boys. Yeah, I'm blushing, I'm <laughs> That's it for this episode. Special thanks to Rob for coming on the show. Hopefully Camden do carry on with the Fast and the Furious trend. I think we'd all love to see a club with eight teams. Next episode, we'll be catching up with England international Claire Fairham.